Welcome to Constructed Futures. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today I'm here with Ann Murray, registered dietitian. This is part of the performance series, and I've asked Ann to join because one of the things that really drives performance is how we relate to food and how we're choosing the things to put in our body. Ann's got an incredible background, has an incredible clientele, and I wanted to bring her on to talk to us about this important part of how we perform. Ann, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Anne, let's start this off by talking about what your background is. There's a lot of folks who, you know, say they're a dietitian or this or that, but you've got a little bit more to offer than I think most folks, and I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, so I am a board-certified registered dietitian, and to get there, you have to do about six years of schooling, undergrad, a master's degree, and take a certified board exam. It's a whole process, but I'm happy to have that as my background and be a registered dietitian. And when you think about what that that means, talk to me a little about what being a registered dietitian means, because it's not just about vitamins and watch your carbs and so on, but you're really, you know, you've got a real background that that you, I think there were some clinical parts to it. There was a lot of exposure and a lot of, a lot of stuff you went through to really understand how the body responds to food. Can you talk about that a little? Yes, definitely. So part of our internship is a over... 1300 hour supervised practice. So I'm in clinical settings and I've worked in veterans hospitals all the way from community groups like WIC and school-aged children. No matter where you're at, nutrition is very important and it's a big part of everything along the way. So I've worked with people all the way from ICU patients to pro MMA athletes and helping people on collegiate rugby teams, football teams. Nutrition is definitely a wide spectrum and learning how to treat these different kinds of patients and clients is something that registered dietitians are experts in. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Who is your, your typical client? My typical client is usually people who want to optimize their nutrition. So I've worked with people of all ages, but as of now in my private practice, I have people come to me usually around college age to probably up to six years old. And I help them reach their goals I help them modify their diet and really change their diet to fit their lifestyle. Instead of putting on someone on a very strict diet and saying, you can only eat this and you must count your calories. That's not really my approach. I like to involve it in your lifestyle so you can have sustainable changes and get real results. One of the words that I've heard you use in the past is this idea of balance. And it feels like a lot of what people are told to do, you know, there's the kind of bro science that you got to go eat liver or you got to go eat this. And I think one of the things that you really like to bring is balance across different food groups, but also different nutrients and so on. What what do you mean by that? When we talk about balance, when we talk about eating healthy, usually people think, oh, I'm just going to be eating salad and I'm not going to be eating a lot of food. And that's really not the case. Nutrition comes from eating a wide variety of different foods, plants and animals. And there's not one certain type of diet that's a magic cure for everyone, right? There's no diet pill. There's no one size fits all. So optimizing nutrition looks like incorporating different plants, different animals, different components at every meal, including carbohydrates and fiber and protein and healthy fat, all in meals to keep them balanced, to keep them steady throughout the day, to give you that energy. Speaking of the two words you just brought up that I want to dig in here, one of them is healthy fats and the other one is energy. In the last 10 years or so, there's been some talk about how the kind of American guidelines on fat, where they said, you really don't want to have a lot of fat. And, you know, there are all sorts of discussions about how bad fat is 
we pulled fat out of food and replaced it with sugar. And that, that has been called by some as one of the reasons for the current obesity issue. What do you think about this, this idea that actually fat is not only good, some, and even cholesterol is not as bad as people think it is. In fact, it's what the precursor to other things. But when you think about fat, what is the thing you often tell people? I tell people that you shouldn't be afraid of fat. So when we're looking at healthy fats, we're thinking of foods that naturally have it. Think avocados or olive oil. Maybe your grandma is cooking with you in the kitchen and she was never afraid to put olive oil in, right? It's because this is a super healthy fat and it helps us absorb nutrients. So fat soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K that mm -hmm. we can find in foods, we actually need that fat to absorb it. And fats that you should probably stay away from are, you know, deep fried food, trans fats, things that aren't very natural and chemically processed and made. And that's an interesting point, because one of the things I think that got us where we are is fats are shelf stable when you mess around with them, right? And isn't that kind of what makes them, well, anyway, one of the things that makes a, a fat less healthy is we messed around with it so it lasts on the shelf longer? Yeah, when you think about like a big tub of Crisco, that is <laughs> not really, you know, from the earth, it's not natural. And the way that is made to be your best bet. So when you're thinking about a healthy fat, I always go for, you know, a really good olive oil and cooking with different types of oils can really help you absorb those nutrients in the food, like I was saying. So different kinds of oil that I usually like to cook with are avocado oil for high heat stuff, olive oil for like salad dressings and like ghee butter mm -hmm. is really good for high heat cooking as well. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, one of the things you also talk a lot about, and I just hear this come up in different ways, is different combinations of foods make them, they help each other. So you were just saying that these different vitamins are made, are, are more available to you because they're fat soluble. So if you've got, if you're eating healthy fats, you get more out of the things that are, the other things that you're doing, whether it's a source of vitamin D or whatever. Another one that you brought up once is how citric acid, i.e. like a little bit of orange juice, can make certain things work better. I mean, how much is that a big part of making the most out of what you eat that you're not eating one thing, but you're actually eating a bit more back to the balance idea that different foods allow us to, to get the most out of other foods? How often does that happen? It's pretty crazy, actually, when we think about it. So all these different foods work together to create the best result and naturally become bioavailable, meaning that your body can absorb it better and things like that. So when you think about maximizing absorption of fat soluble vitamins, you want to add olive oil to your salad because that's going to help you ingest those vitamins better. When you think about enhancing iron absorption, you would combine that with vitamin C. So think steak with bell peppers. That would be a really great healthy meal for someone who's trying to up their iron intake because the vitamin C actually helps intake the bioavailability of the iron. And that's a, a big thing I think that people get wrong, right? Is that just because you've taken something doesn't mean your body's going to do anything with it. Too many, too many things just pass right through because we're not eating them the right way. How much a part of your practice is that? This idea that if you're eating things the right way, you get more out of what you eat. Absolutely. I think a lot of people will focus on one thing. They'll focus on maybe cutting carbs or they're going to focus on eating a keto diet, whatever diet or method they're trying, they're not incorporating enough of the balance of each of those four components of food. So I like to break it down into a little categories, right? So it's carbohydrates, protein, healthy fat, and fiber. 
And when you really marry all these together, that's how you have a balanced meal. So whatever meal you're having, if you have a little bit of each, you're probably have way more balance than just having maybe a salad with tomatoes and cucumbers only thinking that that's the healthy option. You like to say you need to make yourself a plate. I just think that's a really easy mental shortcut to say, all right, look, I want to make sure I have a plate here, not just a serving, but I'm making sure there's balance. There's carbs, there's protein, there's whatever the other thing, fats. Um, you know, <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you advise people to think like that? Because I think you, you've got some pretty easy rules of thumb that make it easy for people like me who don't have the time to get serious about what their macros are and so on. Definitely. And the main point is not to look at the numbers. It's to look at what's actually in your food. So when you're building that plate, I like to give people a list of finding carbs and I give them a list and I say, carbs look like brown rice. It looks like bread. It looks like fruit. I say vegetables look like whatever you've got. Maybe it's frozen. Maybe it's microwavable. I look at protein. You can have pre-prepped protein like rotisserie chicken or hard boiled eggs. And then I look at healthy fat. So like olive oil or avocado, something to really tie it in all together. So I say, pick one from each category, put it on a plate, and you've totally made a balanced meal. And you don't have to have a huge plate, right? The point is, no, the, ba- is the balance. Not. Yeah. The point is the balance and the quantity that you think you need at that point. Exactly. And each day your diet may change a little bit based on what you're doing. If one day on Monday, you're doing a super hard workout, you might need some extra carbs before and after. But on Tuesday, if you're taking it easy on a rest day, you probably don't need as much your diet is flexible. So day to day, you kind of take in what you need for that energy intake to fuel your body and what it needs that day. Yeah, I love it. So, but if you think about what, you know, what, what you hear about and both, you know, directly from clients, but also just out in the world, what do you think most people get wrong about how they eat? I think that people are very quick to just cut out a food group. They'll say, I'm going gluten-free. They'll say, I'm going keto. You know, I was, a lot of people say I was bad this weekend, so I need to cut this out, cut this out. And instead of going cold turkey like that, cutting something out, that can create a restrict to almost indulge binge cycle, right? So if you say, I'm never eating ice cream, I'm never eating ice cream, and then you get around ice cream on a Saturday night, you might overeat ice cream rather than if you just kind of allowed yourself to have that a little bit during the week. Am I saying ice cream's the healthiest thing? No, I'm talking about finding that balance of eating balanced meals throughout the week and also having a treat when you want one, but not overdoing it like we could if we avoided it all week. Yeah, I'm not guilty of that at all. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it sounds like some of what you do though is you're debunking myths. What are some examples? I mean, you just talked about one really is that less is better or cutting something out is the way to solve it. What are some other fun myths that you hear? I hear a lot about protein shakes before a workout. That's actually not your best bet. When you're going into a workout, the best thing you could have, good sleep and a banana. I know it's boring, but that's the best thing you can have. That quick carb mm-hmm. is going to help you fuel through your workout. You don't need that protein till after really. So if you're waking up at 7 a.m. and you're about to hit a workout, grab a banana before you go. And that is definitely better than any kind of pre-workout or powder that you could take. I always, always tell people real whole food first. Well, let's talk about the, the pre-workouts. So, so the, a lot of these powders are going to have, you know, like three cups of coffee in them and they're going to have a bunch of protein and often a lot of refined sugar. So you feel like a rock star when you're walking in, but it doesn't really do what you need to do, right? 
That's right. So when we think about getting energy, we actually get energy from food, right? Our body breaks it down. It releases that energy into our cells. But when we have a cup of coffee or pre-workout, it you feel very awake. It's because of the way it's reacting and the neurotransmitters in your brain, turning that on, firing it up. So it makes you feel like you're super awake. But that's not giving you real energy like food does. So when it comes to food, real food before the workout, real food after is going to take you much further than having a synthetic pre-workout formula that could be dangerous because supplements are not actually regulated. Yeah, I hear, I hear the amount of whatever the thing is, whether it's caffeine or you know some of these vitamins aren't great when you have too much of them. And the variation can be all over the map, right? Even within the same group or even the same company. Definitely. What should people do after a workout? After a workout, I would say getting in a meal about 30 minutes to an hour, depending on your training. If you're just a normal person trying to get a workout in to stay healthy, within an hour, I would say have a good meal balanced back again with that formula of the carbs, the protein, the fat, and the fiber, just to get that nutrition back in to promote that muscle recovery and include things that have anti-inflammatory properties like salmon and vegetables would be a really great option after a workout. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things you talked about that I thought was interesting is that people think fruit has too much sugar, but lattes don't. I love that that point about it's almost like sugar bad, latte good, but really sugar in a in a you know in an apple um, is not bad. Talk to me a little bit about how how we think about sugar, where like you know there's a sense of let's cut sugar out of my my diet. Well, maybe not so much out of apples, right? Like, yeah, you want refined sugar out and maybe some really sweet fruits. But how do you think about sugar within a diet, especially someone's trying to either, you know, maintain their weight or, or even lose some weight? I think people are really afraid of fruit. I don't know where this came from, but in the past few years, I've seen people afraid to eat a whole banana. And I think that's crazy because bananas, all fruit provide so much nutrition and having that whole fruit is actually attached to some fiber, right? So if you ever hear people say, eat the apple or the potato with the skin on, it's because it has that fiber connected to it. So eating a whole piece of fruit is going to be better for you than having fruit juice, say eating a full orange, much better than having orange juice, right? Because it has that fiber attached to it. And added sugar is sneaked into our diets, no matter where we're at. You could order a Starbucks latte and it could have more sugar than a can of Coke. It depends on what you get. And sometimes we don't even notice that. So cutting out that sugar that's sneaky, that's in the lattes and replacing it with whole fruit before your workout or whole fruit as a snack throughout the day is going to be a much better option for getting that natural sugar in. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I tell you, when, when I have looked up how much sugar is in a lot of different kinds of fruit, pineapples are a little weird, but like an apple is like 70 calories. Like it's incredible how low the calories are, but it, it satiates you and it, you feel like you've had your sugar, which I think is really interesting, right? Is there doesn't need to be that much sugar in something for it to feel sweet and feel like, okay, I've put some, put some sugar in my body. Absolutely. And something I actually notice with clients is when they start at eating more meals, then maybe they come to me and they say, I, I have sugar cravings, right? Mm -hmm. I'm always reaching for something sweet after my meals. And then I guide them to have more balanced meals throughout the day. Maybe they weren't eating enough carbs for lunch and breakfast. So I say, add a sweet potato to your lunch. How are you feeling? I had a client come back to me last week, actually, and said, 
you know, I haven't been wanting sweets as much because I've been adding more to my meals throughout the day. And I did have something sweet and it tasted so much sweeter than what I'm used to because she hadn't been eating those refined sugars as often as she was in the past. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And actually, so we just talked a little bit about sugar and so on, but that extends out to carbs, right? I mean, same thing. People are afraid to eat carbs because we've spent, what, 20 years hearing that, you know, no carbs or low carbs or Atkins or this or that. Talk to me a little bit about how that works, because I think I personally can tell you when I cut carbs out, you absolutely have an energy difference. At the same time, you know, people will say, well, intermittent fasting and you're not going to have the ups and downs and so on. I'm not so sure. Yes, definitely. That's a thing. People will cut out carbs is actually their first thing because people are drawn to the keto diet because if you cut out carbs and you don't eat carbs for 10 days, your body will go into a thing called ketosis where it starts burning fat as fuel. First of all, your brain prefers glucose, which is carbs as its primary source of fuel. So you need that to get that energy. People are drawn to the keto diet because you lose so much water weight in the beginning. This is not a sustainable practice and I don't recommend it to people, but eating carbs in moderation in balance with your meals is going to be much healthier for you than cutting out a food group completely. You know, the thing that I hear folks like you who know what they're talking about say more than most anybody else is, is sweet potatoes. What's the story with sweet potatoes? Sweet potatoes are just a great whole food source. I like to put them in the instant pot cook a few throughout the week and then just throw it in with my meals because sweet potatoes are packed with potassium and fiber and healthy complex carbs. It'll give you lasting energy. Yeah. Again, it just seems like one of those go-to, the people that don't spend their time thinking about nutrition don't talk about as much, but I'm telling you, every time I hear someone talk about how to, you know, create a balanced diet, they talk about, and they, and when they talk about complex carbs, that's one of the ones that comes up all the time. What's the difference between complex and simple carbs? So simple carb is something that is digested right away for immediate energy. So think about a fruit, a berry would be a simple carb or Mm -hmm. a white bread that's stripped of nutrients. That would be a simple carb, maybe white rice and wonder bread, right? So there's different reasons and different scenarios that we can use simple versus complex carbs and complex carbs look like they have fiber attached to them. They're in their more whole form. So complex carbs are a great way to have that energy long lasting throughout the day rather than a quick carb before a workout. That makes sense. And it, yeah, it takes longer to release sometimes, right? So you get the energy for for a little longer. Right. So when you think about sleep, what matters? Sleep is our most important thing. And I will say I am guilty. I am not the best sleeper, but it's something I'm working on. Sleep manages so much of how our hormones work, our stress hormone, cortisol, our hunger hormone, ghrelin, right? So if we're not sleeping enough, these can be altered. If I don't know if you've ever been on a flight where it's a four hour sleep time, you have to get up super early in the morning and you're so hungry the next day, all day. It's because those hormones, those hunger hormones are kind of thrown off if you don't get enough sleep. And it sounds like what you're implying with that is roughly the same time of day too, right? To the degree you can have more or less a stable sleeping schedule, your body knows what to do. Absolutely. Regulating that with your circadian rhythm, your circadian rhythm is your natural sleep and wake cycle. Mm -hmm. So the best thing you can do when you wake up is get your eyes in the sunlight. This is great for setting that circadian rhythm up. Right when you get up, I always tell people the first thing, do not check the email, do not look at the phone, the blue bright light before 
you open your window and look outside. It's so simple. But if you make that one change, that can really start your day off better. And starting the day off with a little less stress than right waking up, opening the email. That's a really important point is, is letting your body and your, your whole system wake up properly and get into what is going to be a 24-hour cycle is really important, right? And I think we take this a little bit for granted where, yeah, whatever, I'll be fine. I'll just gut through it, no pun intended. But, but really what you're saying is what you're doing right out of the gate sets up a bunch of things that last all through the day, right? Whether it's your hunger hormones or, or cortisol or whatever. But, but really, what is it, a half an hour in the morning to kind of ease into the day, you know, look out the window if it's, if it's daylight. Uh, it isn't usually for me, but certainly not starting with, with what's on your phone to kind of get, let your body and your mind wake up properly. Absolutely. Getting in that sleep wake cycle is so important. So even if you're waking up before the sunrise, which is awesome, it's great to not drink that coffee right away too. We'll get into caffeine talk later, but you need your body to wake up, right? Your cortisol, your stress hormone is at your highest at the beginning of the day. And then throughout the day, it slowly releases, making you tired and ready to go to bed. And melatonin, that sleep hormone starts to kick in at night. So other ways that we can optimize sleep, having the room cold, making sure it's dark, making sure it's not cluttered. Sleep hygiene is one of the most important things that's really underrated. Things that help me are like lavender essential oils and weighted blankets. And I wear an eye mask every night to sleep. People might think that's crazy, but it helps me a lot because it blocks out all that light. I want to just dwell for a moment on a phrase you use, which is sleep hygiene. I really like that idea because it, it says you're preparing the experience, whether it's the, the weighted blankets for in your case, you know, as quiet as it needs to be or as dark as it needs to be or, or whatever it might be, but you're not just plopping down on the bed and hoping it all goes well. You're actually preparing certain things so that it will go well. Does that sound about right? Exactly. I don't think that you would get in a car and do a road trip without maybe changing the oils and filling up the tires with air. So it's same thing for bed. If you're really preparing for a good night's sleep, there's a few things that you need to get in order before you go on that sleep journey. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Well, talk a little bit about caffeine. You hinted a moment ago that we talk about it more. I'd love to ask, wh where were you going to go with that? So caffeine is a good thing in moderation, like most things. When we're talking about it from a natural source, say you're a black coffee drinker. I think that you are, right? Mm -hmm. So when we wake up, our first thing for a coffee drinker maybe be, oh, I'm on my way to the coffee machine. But I say, wait a minute, because your body needs a minute to wake up, to get those adenosine receptors in your brain, the tired wear off. So your caffeine intake is actually going to be more effective if you have it about an hour or two after waking up. That's really interesting because you're right. Everybody, that's the automatic thing. You brush your teeth, get your, get your coffee going. Well, I'm going to bring this one in for a landing. When you think about working with clients and you, and you want to change their habits, how does, what's your approach? I say start small and start things that you can actually do. I don't like to overwhelm people. I like to see different small goals that they can actually make and attain. So when I'm working with someone, we'll usually set two goals for two weeks to work on. And we'll check in throughout the week and say, how can I meet this goals? What are we changing in the diet to make sure that you can do this? Maybe it's adding one more vegetable to your lunches, or maybe it's going to bed 15 minutes earlier. 
whatever mm -hmm. that is, you can start to habit stack and build on these successes to keep that promise to yourself. So, you know, you can continue building it. Habit stack. What does that word mean? Habit stack means maybe you are doing one healthy habit, but also doing another one at the same time. So maybe you are meditating in the morning and listening to a podcast, or maybe you are cleaning the house and meal prepping while you are getting things in order. So stacking on those healthy habits, like say every night you brush your teeth, right? And then you're not really usually a good flosser, but you start adding flossing into that routine. And then you start to add something else into that routine. And then the sleep hygiene, it just all kind of goes together when you start to build on the good things over and over and over. And do you find, I mean, look, I, I find that having some level of accountability because I'm talking to someone or maybe it's journaling or something. What if you, what do you typically do to it to supply that kind of uh, accountability for folks? I analyze people's behavior based on what they're eating, what they're doing, how they have time to do things. So some people don't actually have time to cook and that is totally fine. You do not have to have a five-star meal at every meal and you don't have to learn how to cook all these crazy meals. It's finding what works for a person. Mm -hmm. I know somebody is super lazy when it comes to eating dinner and they always eat out. I like to provide them a resource that says, okay, if you're going to order Chipotle, here's what you should order to fit your goals. And that's the way I like to help people and tweak their diet to optimize it for them. And that's a really important point is that you know, part of getting it right is playing around with things and finding what works for you, right? Absolutely. Well, this has been really great. I loved hearing you talk about various things. You know, the sleep hygiene is one I'll walk away with, the always with the sweet potatoes, but also the idea of balance and how different combinations of food make them work, make each different food work better. Um, that's just a really important point of you know, again, back to balance and a kind of a complete plate. So lots of really great ideas in here. So, and thanks for being on the podcast. How can people learn more? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, you can learn more at my Instagram. I'm on social media on TikTok, but I also have a website at nourishedbyann.com. You can find me on Instagram at nourished underscore by underscore and same thing with TikTok, or you can shoot me an email with all of the profile in my website. Fantastic. And I'll have all that in the show notes. Well, Anne, thanks again for being on the podcast. This has been great. Thanks for having me.